Greetings, folks. This is Rico, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi, podcast 625 for February 26th, 2617. <laughs> Gosh darn it. <laughs> I can't believe I'm almost uh, or I've said that a couple times on recent shows. It's 2017, obviously. It's almost March. Jeez. <laughs> anyway, on today's show, I'm going to do another one of my uh, nostalgia trips, uh, go back in time, and look at uh, the year 1991 in movies and television, what was playing, what we liked, uh, obviously in the sci-fi fantasy uh, genres, and talk about some of that stuff from 1991. I also talk a little bit about what I've been seeing recently on television, enjoying, and movies. Got the Oscars tonight. Maybe I'll make a few predictions. Who knows? It'll be fun. You guys sit back, uh, relax, and let's do this show. Insert coin. Treks in sci-fi. Welcome to the show again, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Treks in Sci-Fi, the weekly dose of geeky goodness. This is Rico, again, your host. Uh, thanks. Uh, I always appreciate everyone who uh, downloads and listens to the podcast each week for coming back, or maybe this is your very, very first time. In, in either case, welcome. The um, Yeah, what's been going on? What's been happening? Uh, first off, thank Mark for his a guest spot last week, Queen of Outer Space, a cool movie. Uh, it's a very, uh, it's always fun to listen to those shows because I, I thought I watched a lot of those old sci-fi movies and stuff growing up, but Mark pulls things out that I haven't seen. I think I saw that movie way, way long time ago, but I got to check it out again. It always makes me want to go back and revisit those uh those films, uh, just because they're so much fun. And it always also makes me think in, in say, 50 years, are people going people gonna to look back at the TV and movies that we think are great these days uh, and say, wow, boy, those people had it wrong or whatever. Although the funny thing about the current crop of uh, the last, you know, many years of, of movies and TV, uh, we don't, you know, the 50s and, and, and that era, they did a lot of movies that were really trying to predict the very near future, like 20 or 30 years out. Uh, the movies we do these days, though, when you think about it, they're not really like that. They're either way in the future, like Star Trek is set, basically, or or they're a fantasy thing or a comic book thing. But they, you know, I don't I don't know necessarily that they'll not become all that dated, you know, or, or look at the future. We don't we don't do a lot of things that are trying to predict 20 years from now. I mean, there have been, a, of, of course, a few things like something like, oh, from uh, several years back, Minority Report, for example. And uh, and there are others, but there, there seems seems to be less of a trend of that than there was back, back in the 50s uh, to do those kinds of films. I think a lot of it had to do with the space race, for example. I think there was a lot of thinking that, you know, once we got to the moon and out into into outer space, bang, we'd be on other planets meeting, you know, uh, aliens or, or people on other planets that look just like us or women out on Venus or whatever. But, uh, yeah, it's a different trend in, in film and television these days. Uh, speaking of that, tonight is the big Oscar uh, night. Uh, I did actually finally see a couple of movies that are nominated. I, I did see... I've seen uh, La La Land, finally, uh, which I really enjoyed. I hope it wins Best Picture because I just think it's a lot of fun. A, a real um, fun movie, kind of a little more lighthearted than a lot of the entries in the in the Oscar category for Best Picture. And I think we need that more. I, I, I You know, movies over the last four or five years, especially the Academy Award nominees, 
they're they're pretty serious things, and I, I'm fine with serious movies. But man, we need a. That's kind of why I guess I go see things like uh, you know Underworld or or Logan next week or or superhero films. Uh, it, it's it's just an, I need an escape from the day to day, especially these days. But um, and I also saw Arrival finally, which uh, wasn't quite what I had expected. I liked it. I thought it was really good. But it's 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 really different in the way that it's um, it's done. I'll, I'll I'll just say that I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Uh, but uh, yeah, I found that really good uh, and uh, a very interesting movie. Both uh, both good movies. I don't think Arrival is, even though I think it is. Yeah, it's nominated for Best Picture, but I don't think it. I don't think that's got a, a really too much of a chance of winning that. But La La Land, I, I really hope it it pulls it out. Uh, I think uh, you know, especially uh, the the two leads. Uh, Ryan Gosling and uh, Emma Stone, I think, were fantastic. I would love them to both win. Um, I think the predictions are Emma Stone is is probably more likely to win than than Ryan Gosling, but I, I think they were both equally good in that movie. So, uh, all right, so not exactly sci-fi talk, but a little bit in a way. Um, let's see what else. And uh, I do enjoy um, the Oscars to at least the the. I want to see what people have. You know what Jimmy Kimmel does, and some of the some of the funny bits and things like that. I don't tend to watch the thing. I used to watch it years ago. I used to watch it like, you know, from beginning to end. I, I used to just watch the whole thing and, and enjoy it. But I think some of my pulling away from watching it and not as interested is is mostly because. Most of the movies that I enjoy the most aren't even in the; <laughs> they're not even in the running. You know, they don't they don't seem to re- still recognize much in, in the way of sci-fi or fantasy. Uh, I, I think Star Trek Beyond is actually up for a, a I think it's a makeup award. I think, um, which would be good. I think they had some pretty good makeup in that movie. To do you know they did some good the job? Ugh, I can't speak all of a sudden. Um, they did some good job with the aliens and everything in there. Jayla and Kral, 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 whatever his name, however you say it, um, so that maybe maybe Star Trek will pull a pull one little uh, you know effect award type of thing. Uh, I don't think I don't know is Rogue One up for anything? I'm not sure. Uh, it was kind of a late in the year uh, film, but um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I'll be watching. I usually watch a bit of the beginning for the first hour or two. Well, not even probably two, maybe an hour and a half in, and then I kind of move away from watching it and. Maybe the end I'll watch or something, but um, so what else? Let's uh, just segue right into other television and stuff that I've been enjoying. Uh, I like to talk about this, clue people in on things. I I did do this a couple of weeks ago when I did my um, vidcast on upcoming summer movies, which is over on Vimeo, V-I-M-E-O dot com uh, forward slash Trekkie. Uh, You can find uh, that vidcast and, and others. But I talked uh, specifically about a couple of TV shows that I'm really enjoying, and I'll, I'll mention them again here. The two are Timeless and Legion. Legion just started. We're only three episodes in. This is a story of David Holler, Haller, Holler, can never say his name right, who is a mutant. He is a very powerful uh, mutant uh, who has uh, tele- telepathic and telekinetic and he can even teleport himself, and he's he's got he's he's probably the world's most powerful mutant that you know in this show and and in you know in comic history he's he's one of the mutants in the X Men. He's actually in the comics. He's the son of Charles Xavier. Although they're not, they seem to be changing that a little bit for the TV show, or it really hasn't come up exactly yet. Uh, but this is a really weird, different show. It might not be for everybody, but it's super trippy. Uh, because a lot of the the show, a lot of the three episodes so far have taken place um, inside sort of David's head and his mind as they're trying to get a handle on his powers. He's trying to get control of things and learn things about himself and so forth. Because for years he thought he was basically just cuckoo nuts uh, and not not a you know a mutant or a human with extra abilities. So. Yeah, that's on FX, I think, and uh, Wednesdays, at least here in the States. The other show, Timeless, I've talked about a few times, is uh, excellent. It just actually finished. I think they just did a total of 16 episodes, I think, for the season. Uh, This is a time travel show, uh, but it's much more than that. 
Uh, there's a lot of uh, things going on in the background. There's some government conspiracies. There's a lot of uh, they're messing around with the timeline. Uh, the main cast is is fantastic. Uh, I have not read or heard. I don't think it's been renewed for a new season, but they um, I'm not going to spoil it exactly, but it, they certainly set up some things to, to continue on. So um, it uh, I just like the show a, a great deal. It's probably my favorite of the new shows this year, and I hope it does come back for a second season because it was just really getting deep and interesting. I mean, it, w- it was good. I, I really liked it from the start, especially after a couple of episodes in. It got really, really interesting. It could have been a very run-of-the-mill show, uh, but they made it a lot more than that. Uh, so I highly recommend that. You know, if you get a chance to go back and watch it in some streaming mode or whatever, check out Timeless. Um, still watching, of course, all the superhero shows on the CW. Uh, I mean, I'm kind of enjoying this new little comedy show called Powerless. By uh, It's on NBC on Thursday nights here in the States. It, it's a show set in the DC universe. Uh, Alan Tudyk is in the show. Uh, uh, and it's, it's just a cute little show about the, a, a company that creates, uh, little helpful, you know, tools and gadgets and things for people living in a world of superheroes, you know, to protect themselves. Like there was one where they were creating this umbrella that uh, would protect you against falling debris, you know, when people are crashing into buildings around you and stuff like that. Uh, but it's a lighthearted little show and, and that, uh, that's kind of fun. It's on on uh, Thursday evenings. It's after the Big Bang Theory, uh, different network, but uh, those two together kind of make a good thing to watch. Uh, I guess that's all I really wanted to point out. Uh, Star Wars Rebels is still on, still good. Um, pretty caught up on that. Uh, Friday night's got a lot of stuff on. I'm still watching Emerald City, uh, the Wizard of Oz show. I, I I like it. It's not amazing or fantastic, but There's only like one or two episodes. They're only doing a short season of 10 episodes. I'm not sure what the ratings are, if it'll be back, but I am a big Wizard of Oz fan, so I've been kind of keeping up on that. Um, And Grimm is good. This is its last season. There's actually a few shows that are ending their run uh, this year. Grimm, uh, Vampire Diaries, uh, that uh, has got a couple episodes left, uh, which I enjoy. I've watched that since the beginning. So, yeah, a lot of good TV. Too much, you really. <laughs> I'm hearing that there's uh, other superhero shows coming, too, as well. Also, we have the um, the next uh, Marvel Netflix. Oh, by the way, Marvel Agents of Shields. Uh, A- Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has uh, been really good this season. Check that out. Uh, I know there's a lot of people that, that stopped watching that show or didn't get into it, but... I think that show has been a, a real growing show over the last few years it's been on. I love the cast. I, I think it's been very good, very interesting. And they've kind of upped the ante a bit each season with more going on. So uh, this season is about um, what they call LMDs or life model decoys, basically uh, uh, android-type uh, replacements for people. And there's a sort of a scientist guy that's been doing that and things, bad things happening. And he's been replacing people without people knowing about it, you know, because they look just like you and I. There's no telling them apart really from humans on the surface. And he has the ability to basically download um, the consciousness or brains and memories and everything of one person into uh, an android type replacement of them with some tweaks to that. So, uh, so that's been good. Uh, but yeah, a lot of good stuff. Uh, one of my favorite funny shows that is coming back too in another month or two, I get, I think April, uh, Archer is going to start a new season, which is an animated show on now it's moving. It was on FX and now it's going to be on FXX. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so lots of TV, lots of fun things to watch. Um, I'm going to take a break. I think that's about all I wanted to cover there. Let's uh, do a short break here, and I will come back and talk about um, movies and television uh, from the year 1991. I'm Jen. And I'm Angela from the Anomaly Podcast. And you're listening to Treks and Sci-Fi.
I am back. I'm back. Well, that's appropriate to say I am back because the, um, so the year 1991. So the first movie that I was going to talk about from this year and, and truthfully, 1991 is not a major milestone or a monster year in sci-fi and fantasy films or television, but I, there's a couple of key, a few key things here, and I thought it was a fun one to, a uh, fun year to talk about for a few reasons at, at this point in time. So uh, the first one I wanted to talk about um, the uh, is uh, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Uh, this came out on July 1st, 1991 uh, in L.A. Actually, that was a premiere date, but uh, July 3rd, really, 1991 in the United States. Cost about $100 million, $102 million to make. Uh, it made, to, up to this point, uh, it made about 100 or sorry, cost about $100 million, made over $500 million, $520 million. So uh, a major, major, huge hit uh huge hit really uh the the ter- the first terminator movie was kind of in a way a small kind of movie uh i mean it wasn't made on a big budget james cameron was kind of new uh and um it just it just is not a uh, it wasn't anywhere near the level of this movie but this movie just blew everything away um it was a hugely expensive movie at the time i think make maybe the most expensive movie uh, film ever made up to that point uh it just um really involved i uh, had a very long um shooting schedule but uh, we have of course the uh the slam dunk team of arnold schwarzenegger back linda hamilton uh and james cameron of course uh, doing a follow-up to the first terminator movie and the the you know, this movie is just, I think this movie is one of the most perfect kind of action movies, a great sequel, uh, and, and a fun movie always to watch. And, and it still holds up. Uh, this, uh, the big thing here, the big twist of it was, of course, the Terminator character, Arnold Arnold's character was the bad guy. He was chasing Sarah Connor and trying to kill her to stop, you know, of course, her, her son, John Connor, from ever being born. And and, and uh, because John's the leader of this resistance in the future against the Terminator machines, right? Uh, the the twist here in this film is that the Terminator, Arnold's character, sent back in time a different uh, a different one, uh, but the same model. And uh, he is he is supposed to this time protect Sarah and her teenage son John. So uh, I I think that was great. And they of course send you know this um, other. Uh, Terminator, uh, the T-1000, played by Robert Patrick, uh, very well. Uh, you know, he's just perfect in that role. And uh, so so the T-1000 is the bad guy, comes back and tries to stop them. It's just it becomes a big chase. It becomes uh, really interesting watching the relationship between John and Arnold uh, or the Terminator. And I love it. I think it's a great movie. And here is a trailer to Terminator 2 Judgment Day. These were taken at the West Highland Police Station, 1984. You were there. Same model. These were taken today. You have to let me see my son. He's in great danger. New mission. Once, he was programmed to destroy the future. What it's like to try to kill one of these things. Now his mission. Get down. Is to protect it. Come with me if you want to live. You're really real. His loyalty is to a child. Who sent you? You did. 35 years from now. And his enemy. He's a Terminator like you, right? Not like me. Is the deadliest machine ever built. Can it be destroyed? Unknown. This time, there are two. Terminator 2. You just can't go around killing people. Why? If you thought you had seen it all. Look again. Stay down! Go! Now! We gotta stick together! 
Schwarzenegger. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. This time, he's back for good. Trust me. All right, yes. Uh, and I've talked about Terminator, you know, other times on the podcast. So um, you guys all know that I like that. And uh, I'm actually trying to get my hands on a uh, collectible, a Terminator collectible, a one-quarter scale Terminator statue um, that was made uh, not too long back from a company called Chronicle uh, based on the Terminator Genesis movie. Um, I've There's been... Uh, Without getting into a lot, there there's some good deals to be had on that collectible now, so I'm trying to get a hold of one. Um, all right, next up. Next up is a, a, a film that's kind of a throwback. It, it's kind of a, a, I think it's a, this is sort of a cult classic in a way because it didn't do super well at the box office. This is kind of the opposite way or the opposite of Terminator. Uh, this uh, The movie that I want to talk about here is called The Rocketeer. Uh, this is a movie set in 1938, Los Angeles, California. So it's a sort of a throwback story. Kind of has an old old film kind of feel to it and look. And it uh, is directed by Joe Johnston. It stars uh, Billy Campbell in the title role, uh, Alan Arkin, Jennifer Connelly, Paul Sorvino, Timothy Dalton, a music by James Horner. Uh, this is, it was done by the Disney Corporation and Touchstone. Uh, and it came out on June 21st, 1991, uh, and it uh, the budget was only 40 million, it, it, but it only made at the box office about 47 million. So, really, too bad because I think this could have easily been a series of movies. I, I it's always interesting and hard to say sometimes um, the uh, of what makes a movie hit and what makes it not move, um, you know, not hit. This actually had pretty favorable reviews from critics. Uh, most, most people who saw it enjoyed it. I saw it and enjoyed it, uh, but it just didn't make money. It didn't, didn't get people out there to see it. Uh, I think it's a little bit of a unique story and a, and a little maybe too retro for a lot of people. Who knows? Maybe this movie, uh, could do better these days, perhaps, especially since comics, and this has a very comic book feel to it, uh, very much so, e even the way they, they do the scenes and stuff. So, uh, I liked it a lot. All right, I'm back. Uh, you guys don't know it, but I just had about a oh about a two hour delay. <laughs> I've been having trouble with my washer, so much so we went out and bought a new one. <laughs> it's a long story, but I don't want to interrupt the podcast with that. But all I'll say is, don't buy Samsung washers. That's what I will say. All right, uh, the uh, back to the Rocketeer. Yeah, this is a cool throwback movie. I, I really enjoy it. Um, the uh, the helmet in particular is a very cool prop uh, and has been replicated a few times. The replica prop forum is always seems to have one floating around on there for sale. I think there was a licensed version at some point too, maybe Master Replicas. I think Master Replicas did one back in the day when they were still around. So yeah, uh, Rocketeer, good movie, 1991, another uh, a cool one. Here is uh, a trailer for this uh, cool movie from the past. To some, it was the fulfillment of a dream. To others, it was an instrument of destruction. A creation that could change the course of history. It was stolen from my factory. Where's the package? This is the FBI! What do we tell the president? Tell me exactly why this merchandise is so important to the feds. It's a rocket. A rocket? Ow! What? What's the matter? I don't know. There's something under the seat. Oh, my. What do we got here? What are you supposed to do? Is it a bomb or something? No. I wouldn't touch that if I were you. How do I look? Like a hood ornament. Stand clear. What was that? Are you trying to kill yourself? I like it. Uh oh, we got company. You steer, I'll push. You're what? 
Fuck it, Eddie. Not next week, not tomorrow. Now. Keep your eyes open for this dame. Jenny's in trouble. <laughs> They're working for a Nazi agent. With an army equipped with these, you could rule the world. Cliff! You touch one hair on her head, I swear out. <laughs> Shoot him! We've got the girl. The rocket will come to us. I love her, Peeve. Does she know that? She's gonna find out. Go get him, kid. Okay, next up, uh, we have, uh, this is a movie probably many of you might not know about. Um, it has a couple of interesting things about it, though, that I wanted to mention. Also from, of course, 1991, this movie's called The Giver. It's a uh, movie loosely based on the Japanese manga series of the same name by Yoshika Taka- Takaya? Takaya? I think so. Yoshika Takaya. So it uh, tells the story of a young man, Sean Barker, who discovers this alien artifact called the unit, which changes Barker into an alien hybrid super soldier called the Giver. Uh, it, it basically covers him in this weird exoskeleton kind of strange looking thing. Uh, this It's kind of a schlocky movie, truthfully. It was uh, only had a budget of $3 million. It was released on March 18th, 1991. Uh, the biggest thing about this, the connection here, is um, Mark Hamill is in it. Uh, he's, um, he is actually not the Giver character, Sean Barker. Uh, Mark Hamill plays somebody else named uh, Max, Max Reed. And I think they are buddies with... Um, he's uh, He knows the, uh, the Giver guy. So... Uh, uh, the uh, screenplay is by a uh, Joe Wu Jr. Sorry, um, and get this directed by Screaming Mad George and Steve Wang. So uh, I'll play a trailer to this uh, kind of throwback schlocky kind of tale um, from 1991 uh, called The Giver. Your friend found a most valuable item. I must find out how he managed to activate it. The Giver unit. I need your help. You saw it work. Tell me, how did your friend activate it? I said, let her go. Next up, after the Giver, we're going to also stick on the kind of a little bit lower budget uh, type of movie here. This is also from 1991, of course. I keep saying that. Uh, we're talking about 1991. All right. The uh, next one up is Trancers 2. This is, uh, there's a whole series of these movies. This is obviously the second one because it's called Trancers 2. And it came out on August 22nd, 1991. It is uh, 85 minutes long. Basically, it tells the story of a a time-traveling kind of cop guy named Jack Death. Death is spelled D-E-T-H, played by Tim Thomerson, uh, who was on the old 70s TV series called Quark. Uh, Not Quark as in Deep Space Nine, but about a... uh, Basically, a, a spaceship that goes around picking up all the junk in the in the uh, you know in outer space. So uh, Jack, he is from the future. He comes back to our time, well, the time of these movies, to trace uh, and, and eliminate these uh, people uh, that are called trancers who basically have the ability to escape back in time. They're criminals. And they can, when they go back in time, they actually inhabit another person's body. It's like their consciousness is only is the only thing that travels through time, kind of like, um, you know, the uh, Quantum Leap TV TV show. But anyway, 
this uh, this is the second one. It stars again Tim Thomerson. Helen Hunt is in this movie, who I've always enjoyed in in most things she's worked on. Uh, it's uh, directed by Charles Band, produced by Charles Band, uh, and uh, it's just a fun little uh, you know kind of an actiony sci-fi bent. Uh, sort of a little Terminator-ish like to some degree. Oh, Jeffrey Combs is in this too. You know, Jeffrey Combs, uh, who we know from um, Deep Space Nine and obviously from Enterprise as well. I uh, played Shran on Enterprise. Great actor, always always doing a lot of good work. So uh, let us uh, let me play the uh, trailer uh, to Trancers Two for you. My name's Jack Death. I'm a trancer hunter from the 21st century. It's been seven years since I went down the line to old California. Life's been good. I thought I'd singe my last transfer, but nothing lasts forever. Jack! Vacation's over, Jack. Time to get off your butt and go back to work. Rabbit, listen to me. I need your help. I'm a special agent on a mission from the future. I know just how you feel. You're going to be expelled from the Green World community. Do you know what that means? Help me, please. I'm on a mission. Are you who I think you are? Stillwell. Alice B. Welcome to old California, Alice. I'm your husband, Jack Death. Oh my God, Jack, it is you. The only man I ever had sex with. Isn't that bad? Get the activists out on the streets. I want fresh blood. she keep butting in on us? Because I happen to be his wife. So am I. Ladies, please. Lena, she's my wife. Her consciousness is in another body. She's a transfer hunter, too. I've had to handle a lot being married to someone from the future, Jack, but two wives? You're in the way, Lena. I want Jack death to see his wife become a transfer. They've got Lena. You know the layout well enough to go in after her? Yeah, but it won't be easy. Can you hear me, Jack Death? Can be fun watching you burn to death. Trancers 2, starring Tim Thomerson of Near Dark, Helen Hunt from Next of Kin, Megan Ward of Crash and Burn, Richard Lynch of The Sword and the Sorcerer, and Jeffrey Combs from Reanimator. Trancers 2, the return of Jack Death. Jack, the 20th century must be getting to you. You have no idea. So next up for this year in movies, uh, we have our, our, a real good one, a good one that I've talked about before, did a whole show on it, I believe, way back in the in the early days, is Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, which was... The final uh, original series cast uh, in a Trek film. Uh, this, of course, uh, is 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 a really a fantastic film. One of the best of the original cast series films. Probably to me, my second favorite behind uh, uh, Star Trek: The Wrath of Khan. Of course, this brought back into the the movie fold. Uh, of course, Nicholas Meyer. Nicholas Meyer directed it. The screenplay was by Nicholas Meyer and Denny Martin Flynn, based, of course, by, um, I don't know why I need to say this, but based on Star Trek created by Gene Roddenberry. Start all the original cast. We also have Christopher Plummer in here, Kim Cattrall, David Warner, some great guest, guest stars, uh, music by Cliff Eidelman. Just, just a really solid movie. Uh, the release date for this one was December 6th, 1991, 110 minutes. Had a budget of only, believe this, believe it or not, is only $27 million. And it made almost $100 million. Uh, so it did relatively well. I mean, that's a pretty good return, you know, almost a three to four to one return uh, for a Star Trek movie. So when you think about it, you know, you think about the new Trek films, even though they've done pretty well. The last one, you know, Star Trek Beyond didn't do as well as the other two. 
but but they I don't know what were they doing roughly double ish their their budget give or take or so. Um, but this actually on a percentage basis, Star Trek: The Undiscovered Country did even better than that. Uh, it uh, it earned two Academy Awards for best makeup and sound effects. Uh, it also is the only Star Trek movie to win the Saturn Award for best science fiction film for this year. So. A, a very well-regarded Trek film, uh, well-regarded by the public, by critics, by fans. So here is one of the trailers to Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. The Klingon Empire has 50 years of life left to it. To offer Klingons a safe haven within Federation space is suicide. They're animals. Jim, they are dying. And you, Captain Kirk, are to be our first olive branch. Me? The galaxy stands at a crossroads. This is the Starship Enterprise. We've been ordered to escort you to your meeting on Earth. Guess who's coming to dinner? I have so wanted to meet you, Captain. One warrior to another. Right. On the verge of peace. The undiscovered country. The future. On the brink of war. We come in peace, and you blatantly defy that we haven't fired. According to our databanks, we have. I shall blow you out of the stars. Now, the crew of the Starship Enterprise will not be the instigators of full-scale war on the eve of universal peace. They're coming about. Battle stations. Fights not to win battles. Incoming. Signal our surrender. Captain? We surrender. But to end them. Forever. We would consider an attempt to rescue them an act of war. There will never be a better time. This is Captain Sulu, USS Excelsior. We stand ready to assist you. This is fun. You do prefer it this way, as it was meant to be. Warrior to warrior. Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Yeah, so I hope you enjoyed that. I've got a couple of more fantasy-based uh, films for this year to talk about that I'll, I'll talk about in a moment, but I'm just going to run down. I'm going to read off a few other that I'm not going to really explore in detail, but a couple of a few of the other movies from this year that were out. There was uh, Braxis, Guardian of the Universe, and you thought your parents were weird. Captain America, which was actually a, I think that was a, only a made-for-TV a movie with Matt Salinger and Ronnie Cox. Critters 3, Critters 4, Dollman, Eve, Eve of Destruction, which I think I've seen. I think it's about an android, a female kind of android character. Uh, and we have Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. Uh, Murder by Midnight, Naked Lunch, which is a really weird movie by David Cronenberg. Uh, Prayer of the Roller Boys, Robotrix, uh, Rojan Z, uh, The Terror Within 2, Until the End of the World with William Hurt, which is a really interesting movie that I don't think I've ever seen, but I was watching some clips and trailers. It's hard to find, though. It looks like it's it's not easy to to get a copy of that movie. Uh, that's called, again, Until the End of the World. I'm going to have to check that out, but directed by Wim Wenders. Uh, Vegas in Space, which sounds funny. I don't think I ever saw that. Uh, Wedlock, there was Highlander 2 uh, for this year, and and so forth. So so there it gives you a, a kind of a rundown a bit of uh, what came out that year in, uh, in films. Okay, let's go on to uh, a couple of fantasy movies. The first one that I wanted to talk about is Hook. Uh, yes, the uh, Peter Pan-type tale uh, starring Robin Williams. This uh, movie uh, is directed by Steven Spielberg, produced by Kathleen Kennedy, Frank Marshall, Gerald R. Mullen. Uh, screenplay, screenplay by Jim V. Hart uh, and Malia Scotch-Marmo. That's an interesting name. Based on uh, Peter and Wendy by G.M. Barry, of course, the, you know, 
Never Neverland and Peter. This is like the the hook. Uh, get it? The hook of this story was that Peter Pan grows up and played by Robin Williams and his children. He's older. He has children who are whisked away to Neverland and then he has to go rescue them and remember who he is. It uh, was done with a budget of $70 million and made about $300 million at the box office. So it did well. Uh, Dustin Hoffman, Robin Williams, Julia Roberts, Bob Hoskins, Maggie Smith, uh, music by John Williams. I mean, there's a, there's a ton of talent for this movie. Dustin Hoffman played Hook. And I, I can still remember seeing this movie and uh, really enjoying it. And I, and, I, and I do think it's a good movie. I like it. I think there are, this is a movie that some people seem to like, some people don't. It kind of got mixed reviews with critics. But uh, I, think it's a, it, I think it's a fun movie, and I think it's a good movie that you could show kids to as well, which is also always a good thing. So uh, here is a trailer to Hook. your children you must make yourself remember remember what peter don't you know who you are have to fly have to fight have to crow have to save maggie have to save jack Next up, and I did I say when Hook came out? I don't think I gave the release date for that. It was a December movie, a, a holiday movie, December 11th, 1991. So Hook with Robin Williams. Check it out if you've never seen it. It's, uh, I think one of the things about that movie that I felt and I still think is I think it's a little long. I think that movie could have used a little more editing. It's, it's uh, 144 minutes long. So check it out, though. Um, next up. Uh, this seemed very appropriate to talk about, and this is the last of the movies. Then I'm going to talk a little bit about TV. Uh, here, here is a fantasy film, another fantasy film, but an animated film from 1991, of course. Uh, came out on November 22nd here in the States, 1991. Only 84 minutes by the Disney Company. Start a Beauty and the Beast, and that's what it's called, Beauty and the Beast, the animated a classic, you know, Disney movie now where they're doing a new one with, uh, of course, Emma Watson as the as Belle as the beauty, and I'm super excited. That's coming out very very soon, just in a few weeks, in in the middle of March, March 17th, and you know they're basically really seem to be mirroring this first movie with the music, the look, the characters, and so forth. But uh, I I love this movie. It's a great movie. Uh, it is. It only costs twenty-five million to make. It, it's made uh, four hundred and twenty-five million dollars. So um, pretty good. Uh, Disney movies. I mean, do they ever fail? I don't know. I don't think so. I think a few have not done this well, but you know, I think everybody loves Beating the Beast. So uh, let me play a trailer to um, the animated version of this, and pretty soon we'll be having the uh, the live action version uh, in a few weeks with Emma Watson. But here is Beating the Beast. Trailer from 1991. Walt Disney Pictures presents its all-new 30th full-length animated motion picture. Is anyone here? Mama, there's a girl in the castle. 
girl. A girl. The classic story of Beauty and the Beast. He was a lonely beast, cursed by a mysterious spell. And she was the beautiful young girl who could set him and his kingdom free. She's the one. She has come to break the spell. They were two complete opposites. I don't want to have anything to do with him. She is being so difficult. Until something wonderful happened. There's something sweet. Straighten up. And almost kind. Show me the smile. But he was mean and he was coarse and unrefined. And now he's dear. You look so... And so unsure. Stupid. I wonder why I didn't see it there before. It's a story filled with fun. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I beg your pardon. Adventure. Sacre bleu. Invader. <laughs> and dozens of wonderful new Disney characters. Keep it down. Featuring six new songs from the Academy Award-winning composer and lyricist of The Little Mermaid. This holiday season, share the fun, the magic, and the music of an entertainment event you'll never forget. Disney's Beauty and the Beast. All right. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to cover, you know, some of the sci-fi films uh, and, and fantasy films. Not not uh, not going to cover, I don't think, specifically any, any more fantasy films. Just did a couple. But I'm going to list a few others that were out fantasy film type movies. We have The Fisher King, also another Robin Williams movie. From this same year, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, the follow-up to uh, uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. We had The Adams Family, which I thought I think they did a good job. That was the first Adams Family movie. They did two of those. Uh, I think I already mentioned Naked Lunch in the sci-fi. That's sort of more fantasy probably really than sci-fi. Uh, we have Beastmaster 2, the second of the Beastmaster movies, uh, through through the portal of time or through time. I'm trying to read it here. <laughs> Does it matter? Probably not. Uh, we had a, another movie that was kind of interesting called Drop Dead Fred. Uh, yeah, that pretty well covers it. I think I'm going to sneeze. Sorry, I apologize if I do. Uh, I am going to take a, uh, I'll just take a very brief break, and then we're going to come back and talk briefly about some of the television in the sci-fi fantasy realm that was around and popular during uh, 1991. This is Pocketbook's Star Trek novelist Michael A. Martin warbling in your ear, and you're listening to Rico on Tricks and Sci-Fi. All right, so for as far as television from the 90s, from 1991, uh, there really wasn't a lot. There was a couple of things that were still running, but the uh, probably the biggest one we still had, uh, we were pretty much right in the middle, you know, what, four or so years into Star Trek The Next Generation. So Star Trek The Next Generation would, would, you know, to me would be the biggie that was running. And of course, we talk about Star Trek and Next Gen a lot. So I'm not going to go into a lot of detail there. But that was one of the, uh, you know, the only shining lights and the, and the probably the biggest one from from that um, from that year. I mean, there were other things going on. There was a new show that started, uh, I think it was shown on MTV at the time. Uh, called Ian Flux. Ian Flux, is that how you say it? Uh, based on kind of a, an anime thing uh, about a futuristic uh, society. It's super hard to explain. Uh, but I remember watching that show, and it was kind of cool. We had, I think Red Dwarf was running at the time. We had a, a show called Super Force, Eerie Indiana, which I never got into Eerie Indiana, but it started then. We had... Uh, Something called the Ray Bradbury Theater. I remember watching that. Uh, there was uh, a show called The Girl from Tomorrow. Uh, the, there was a couple other things. But uh, one of them that I wanted to highlight and talk a little bit about here is one of my favorites. And I've done a uh, did a whole podcast, I believe, on this show in particular. Uh, one of uh, my favorites from that early 90s era, uh, Quantum Leap. I, I think, uh, you know, starring Scott Bakula, of course, as Sam Beckett travels through time and, and writes what's what what's what once went wrong. I this this show is uh, is still great to watch. It, it, you know, has such a great lead. 
he's he's really good. Scott Bakula, I think, is, is one of his best roles, probably even better than Archer. I think it it showcases all of his multiple talents. Uh, you know, he's he's very versatile, and I, and I think this this show because he got to leap into a different character and person each week. It allowed for a lot of you know you really needed an actor who could do that and who could handle that and, and really play uh, those different characters and roles well. And, and I think there was a lot of good, you know, good show, you know, message type stuff in this, in these, uh, in this series. And, uh, you know, Quantum Leap is fantastic. One of the sad things I find about, though, the situation with Quantum Leap is, this has happened on a few other shows, is when you, the, the original episodes had some great music from the different time periods and eras, you know, he could, he could leap back into different time periods, but only within his lifetime, his I guess he was probably supposed to be about 40, mid-40s-ish, something like that. But they would have music playing from different eras he would leap into. And because of uh, music rights and things, they've had to go back and change that for the uh, DVD releases since then. And I think when you watch it and see it on television and reruns and broadcast, it's still the original stuff. But they uh, they had to do some music replacement, which is always kind of a shame. I think they do a better job these days of getting those rights because nobody, you know, even in the 90s, you know, people didn't necessarily realize everything was going to be on DVD and Blu-ray and streaming services and all this other ways of watching television throughout, you know, forever. And now I think everyone's used to that. So they're they're getting those rights you know, when they get the right to use a song in a show, I think they're getting the right to use it for the most part these days to use it on, you know, future media releases and streaming services and so forth. So they lock that all down pretty much. But um, that's one of the little drawbacks I found because uh, because the music really added a lot to the show and I, I it really bugs me when it gets replaced. Uh, but um Let's play uh, the intro theme because I, I love the music for this show as well to Quantum Leap. Theorizing that one could time travel within his own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. He awoke to find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. His only guide on this journey is Al, an observer from his own time, who appears in the form of a hologram that only Sam can see and hear. And so Dr. Beckett finds himself leaping from life to life, striving to put right what once went wrong, and hoping each time that his next leap will be the leap home. Um, with the uh, Quantum Leap theme there to take us out, that pretty much ends my look at 1991 for the most part in films, uh, movies, you know, movies, films are the same thing, right? (laughs) Uh, Television briefly. There was a few other things going on, you know, George Bush was president. We had the space shuttle still going up. Columbia went up in that year. I'm looking at some headlines here. Uh, we have the a Galileo spacecraft made its closest approach to a 951 Gaspra, which is becoming it became the first probe basically to 
get that close to an asteroid. That's an asteroid, um, not a planet uh, or the sun or the moon or anything like that. Um, we had a lot of uh, a lot of things going on. Uh, Chicago Bulls won their first NBA championship that year. Uh, you know, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago. You know, the 90s, early 90s, the Gulf War was going on. Uh, what else? Um, a lot of music from that era. I thought I'd maybe end the show today with a song. Uh, we had hits by Michael Jackson, Michael Bolton, uh, Paula Abdul, Wilson Phillips, Gloria Stefan, Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston, uh, just, uh, you know, Madonna, uh, EMF, Brian Adams, uh, all kinds of good music from that time. So, uh, yeah, I thought this was fun. I, uh, I always enjoy looking at uh, going back in time and looking, you know, 1991 is, a, is what, uh, 26 years ago, right? Is that right? 17 plus 9, 26, yeah. So, um, yeah, I like, I like doing these. I've done a few in the past. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Uh, let me pull up my uh, schedule for upcoming podcasts for Treks in Sci-Fi. Hang on. Yeah, so we're getting into March now, and let's see. So we did today on the year 1991. Next week, uh, March 5th, will be the music of John Debney with Vartok. He hasn't done a music show in a while, so that'll be here. The week after that, uh, in two weeks, I guess, yeah, just two weeks from now, on March 12th, that weekend, uh, uh, Kenny and I recently got together and we recorded another Harry Potter show. We did it on uh, the Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire film. That's going to be on the 12th. And the week after that, the 19th of March, that'll be an Apes, Planet of the Apes type show uh, where Rick Moyer and Chris Clemente are going to look at the Apes uh, television series, which I think we've it's been talked about at different times, but uh, I don't think anyone's covered just the television show. So they're going to do that then. So that's what's upcoming on Treks and Sci-Fi. Again, thanks everyone for listening this week. If you want to support the show, go over to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Treks and Sci-Fi and sign up, you know, just a dollar or two a month. That's uh, hopefully not a, a lot to ask if you, you know, get a show each week that you enjoy listening to or a vidcast if we do that. So uh, that would be uh, always appreciated. I may be doing a new T-shirt run soon, too. I'm, I'm trying a couple of different ideas. I may have just create a little T-shirt online that you can just go and order it yourself and have it delivered right to you from the place. Or I'm not quite sure yet, but I want to do that again soon. So uh, that's about it. A little Maybe a little shorter than normal show this week, but uh, I I enjoyed talking about the past again, like I always do. I'm always kind of up for a nostalgia run back in time. And uh, again, I hope you guys enjoyed this and brought back some good memories of some movies and TV. And of course, this wasn't any by any means a comprehensive thing. It was just stuff that popped out at me, uh, especially in sci-fi films and fantasy and, and a little bit on TV. But I usually focus these mostly on the movies of the particular year that I uh, choose. If you have any, any, uh, <laughs> uh, if you have any suggestions, sorry, if you have any suggestions for the show, just email me at treksf at gmail.com. Uh, the main website, treksinsci-fi.com is still there. You can go there to get information. Also, we have a pretty good Facebook group going. Just go to Facebook uh, and, or there's a link to the Facebook group on the main webpage as well. That's probably the easiest way. Or search for Treks and Sci-Fi on Facebook. There's a page and a group. Uh, the page, I just kind of post what's going on with the podcast and the group is more for interaction with people and posting up stories and what's coming up with latest movie trailers and, and collectibles and whatever else we feel like. So thanks, everyone. Uh, I'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Next week, again, uh, Vartok will be here with uh, a musical entry for Treks and Sci-Fi. Until next time, take care. Bye-bye.
This has been a Rico Dusty podcast production.